You return, please, to the Bible to read from Jeremiah, please. <clears throat> chapter number 37. Jeremiah chapter 37 and verse 17. And we'll just look down at the end of the chapter there, please. Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. We know that the Lord will add a blessing to these words again tonight from the Bible. Now, tonight there's a little thought that's on my mind. I do trust that at the end of meetings, we want to try and be a help if we can to those in the meeting that are without Christ, whether in your car here or whether you're in the hall. And we just wonder at times if we could have, from, with the help of God, and we trust we have, is there, the question was asked here, is there a word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? And the answer was, on that occasion, there is. We thank God tonight that we have again the Word of God before us, and there is a Word of God. There is a, any Word. There is a Word of God for sinners in the room tonight. We'll just take a look at a few. We'll not read them. We'll quote them. I want to say a little word. Is there a word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord for the wayward in the room here? We feel even at this stage in the meetings there's, there's careless sinners. Maybe you've put this matter of salvation off and another spell of meetings just slipping through your hands. Is there a word from the Lord for the wayward here? I tell you there is, friend. Here's a word that has been on my mind for you. Because there is wrath beware. You'll get that word from the Lord for you, friend. If there's a careless soul in the room or under the sound of my voice, here, friend, there is a word of the Lord from the Lord for you tonight. Because we have the fact here. Because there is wrath, beware. Lest he take thee away. There's likely some here tonight, and be true of you, many summers you have wasted. Rape and harvest you have seen. Winter snows by spring have melted, and yet you linger. Careless, not careless about other things, and we wouldn't want you to be careless about other things, those things that we all have to see to, daily things. But I do feel there's those in the meeting, and you've been careless, downright careless about the all-important matter. We're not here to scold you tonight, friend. God forbid. We're here for you to listen to the word of God for you. There is wrath. Thank God there is a heaven bright and fair, one of which you may assure. But friend, we need to warn you tonight from God that there's an awful place of woe. And there is wrath. The Word of God reminds us in Hebrews chapter 9 and 27 that it is appointed unto men once to die, but then after this. After this. Because there is wrath, there is an afterward. 
You might say, I say, pick the people, and they would say, John, we're only going through once, and they just look on life as one big party after another. Could I have a word from the Lord for you, friend, before it's too late? Here it is. There is wrath. Thank God God loves. Thank God God has provided. Thank God God desires your salvation. But friend, if you continue the way you're going, your attitude to God and your attitude to Christ and your attitude to these eternal matters, friend, you'll arrive in somewhere where I couldn't describe. So there's a word for the wayward. A word <clears throat> for the waiting. There's some that are waiting, putting this matter off. Knowing full well you need salvation. Knowing full well that if you if you live in, if if you continue in your sins, you'll be lost eternally. But you wait. You wait. You delay. Our brethren was reminding us of some in the par uh, some in the prayer meeting tonight were reminding us of souls attending Ballyclare and they're near to the kingdom. I would likely think there is some like that. Near to the kingdom. That step of faith would take you in. That step of faith in Christ would take you in. And yet you wait. Is there any word for the Lord for the waiting? Now the devil wouldn't want you to hear the word from the Lord for that, friend. Here's the word from the Lord for that. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. You intend to get saved tomorrow, maybe. You intend to settle the matter tomorrow. Is there any word from the Lord there is? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day a day may bring forth. That statement always impresses me. What a day, what a day may bring forth. You can think of what a day has brought forth for many today. Many's one today. The day has brought forth their departure from this world into the big world. Leaving earth for, for eternity. Leaving here never to be back. What a day may bring forth. Just heard recently of a little, a dear one. And uh, she told her parents, she says, I'm not sick of meeting. I'm not going to them anymore. Broke her parents' heart, as you'd know. I'll not tell you the rest of the story. You likely know where it finished. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Tomorrow is eternity. In the poet pen, tomorrow he, con he promised his conscience. Tomorrow I mean to believe. And tomorrow never came. Is there a word from the Lord for it? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not. In all our advancements and all our knowledge, I tell you there's something you and I don't, we don't know what's on the morrow. 
or a day may bring forth. Or a day may bring forth as far as you're concerned, dear soul. Is there a word from the Lord? Less, friend, here it is. There is. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. I will say, friend, behold now. Not tomorrow, friend. Now. You'll never be saved, friend, if, you, if you'll be happy enough to get salvation tomorrow. No, for never. Never, friend. Behold, now, now. Would I need to mention the Lord coming? Maybe I should gently again. He's coming. We didn't get time to develop it last night in Revelation 22. Behold, I come. Behold, I come. Surely I come. We know not what shall be on the morrow. This could be the last meeting for anyone in the front row or the back row or in the foyer or in the park or the two preachers here, speakers. I often try to keep this in mind. I could be preaching for the last time. I could be warning for the last time. I could be trying to present Christ for the last time. The Lord is coming. Is there a word? Is there a word? Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, friend. Don't let the devil throw dust in your eyes. Here's the word from the Lord, if that's what your mind and thinking is just now. Behold now, boast not thyself of tomorrow. I think I did tell you. I used to do a wee bit of work in Newry. And there's a young lad... Nice lad he was. And he uh, said to me, John, I went home early tonight. Would you let me go better? I says, no problem, no problem. It's the last time I spoke to him. He didn't know what the day was going to bring, what the night was going to bring forth, friend. I'll never forget it. His mother ringing me. Friend, I implore upon you tonight. Is there a word from the Lord? There is. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Tomorrow is eternity. Just hidden from your fear. Is there a word for the week? I feel God has been speaking. And I feel some have been touched, not because we're trying to speak, no, no. But I do feel God has been speaking. And maybe there's someone here, and you're just at your helpless. We have that. You remember the man in, the, in John chapter 5. It says he wanted to get into the pool. He says, I've no man, just helpless. There he was. Couldn't do anything for himself, just weak, helpless. Wonder is there anyone in the room like that tonight? Is there a word from the Lord for a sinner that's just helpless and weak and hopeless? We have, friend. Christ. Christ. Died for the ungodly. You feel you without strength, friend. 
You feel maybe you can't, you're never going to get saved. And you feel you've tried and all that trying and all that turmoil and all that just to no avail, friend. And there it is. Weeping, working, anxious, all those they'll never bring salvation, friend. But in your helplessness tonight, friend, and in your weakness and in your need, could we present Christ to you? Here's the answer. For you. Here's the word for you. Helpless and weak, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, Christ's death, it pleased God. It's, it's, first of all, it was for God. Satisfied the throne of God. Paul writing in chapter 5 of Romans and verse 8, he says, Christ died for us. Here we have in verse 6, I wonder is there a soul just now, helpless and weak, and weary, wondering how, friend, look to Jesus, weary one. Christ died for the ungodly. Paul writes in Galatians 2 and 20, not only here for us and for the ungodly, but I tell you, friend, it's a great moment in the experience of any soul when they're just satisfied Christ died for me, for me. That's the difference, friend. I take him at his word indeed. Christ died for sinners, this I read. And in my soul I find a need of him. Now what Peter cried, he says, Lord, save me. Anxious, soul, weary and sick and weary and sick, helpless and hopeless. Christ has died for the ungodly. I quote you, I quote to you Peter's words as I move on. He whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. You not rest there tonight, soul. What about a word for the, the working? Maybe someone working and toiling and trying. There's a word for you from God tonight, friend. There is. Here it is. One word. Finished. Finished. You say to you this tonight, friend, as I close nearly. It is finished. Yes, indeed. Finished every jot. Nothing needs to be done. It's all accomplished. It's all done. It's all paid. And the Savior cried, it's finished. Everything was fully done. Done is the work that saves. It stands there. Unique work. Never to be repeated. Perfectly accomplished by Christ. Friend, don't be afraid to trust him. It is finished. Yes, indeed. At long tonight that your language would be, I seek no other argument. I want no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. What about a word for the worried? You say, John, it'll not work. It hasn't worked. 
I'm saying that's a complete contradiction to the Word of God. There's never, ever, 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 and never will be a soul that has put his or her trust in Christ and God doesn't save them. Impossible. Impossible. God cannot lie. Have we a word for the worried? We have. John 3 and 36, I'd only quote the first part of it. 36a. You're worried if it's going to work. Can I depend on Christ? Can I take God at his word? Will it work for me? Is it true? You know what they said about the Lord Jesus? They said, there's a man, John 8, and he has told you the truth. Here's a man, friend, and here's his word. Is there a word from the Lord? There is. There is. And it's the importance, friend, of the word from the Lord. That's it. There is, it's from the Lord. What is it? John 3:36a. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's as far, friend, as the Word of God allows me to go, and I don't intend to go any further. Christ died for the ungodly. It is finished. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting. 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. <clears throat> For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty, might be rich. May God bless his word. Something you know. I'm not aware of everyone sitting in the car park, but I probably would know most in this room, if not all. And I want to tell you something that you already know. Not everybody knows the gospel, you know. I was walking the streets of Tokyo when my wife gave a tract to a lawyer and the lawyer asked a question or two, and then he said this, did your husband write this Bible? That's how little he knew, that he thought I had written the Bible and that I was bringing my book to Japan. But you know better than that. You know that the Bible's the word of God. And all I can do is read it to you. Not everyone knows that the Bible's the word of God, but you do. Not everyone knows that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And that he died for a reason. Not everyone knows that. A student came into my office one day at the university for a course, and she wanted to discuss her essay and this big, long thing she was writing. And we ended up talking, and she looked at the verse that was hanging on my wall, 
And she said, is that, is that the Bible? I said, yes, it is. She says, what's the Bible about? So I took half an hour from Genesis to Revelation. I didn't read it all. I just told her what it meant. Here's what she said. Oh, now I get it. All my life, I walked past a church and they had a sign saying, Jesus died for you. She says, I never knew what it meant. I never knew what it meant, but you do. It's not just a historical fact. You know the reason why Jesus died on the cross. Died for our sins. Died in our place. Died that we might live. Died that we might have eternal life. And he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. The Bible is a huge sign. It's a huge pointer. And it's saying this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Something you know. And so I want to talk to you about what this verse says. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is not something that you earn. That's called wages. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Is there any sinner here? Is there anyone here that would understand that you are a sinner before God? That your sin is condemning you to such an extent that you will be banished from the presence of God forever? Is there anyone who has sinned here? Are you willing to accept what the Bible says? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the end of that chapter, at the end of another chapter in that same book says, for the wages, the wages of sin, that which sin results in, that which you earn, and they're yours. Wages are something you work for. And you get the profit from it. It's your sins. It's your wages. It's your death. Solemn reality, isn't it? So whenever it comes to grace, grace is the opposite of wages. Grace is something you get when you don't deserve it. Something you get, you don't deserve it. I can't come, forgive me for saying this, I can't come to Ballyclare without often thinking about a man who used to be here and he just went and did things that, well, we just didn't deserve especially the day that my son opened up the car on a windy day of a little French-made car. And all it did was went right down the side of Mr. Frank McElroy's Land Rover, right down the side of it, just cleaned it right down the side. Dented, scored it. You can imagine how I felt right at that moment. An immigration program to Australia looked very, very tantalizing right at that moment. I don't think the blood was flowing through my son's face. As far as he was concerned, life as he knew it had ended. Not only was he forgiven, but the owner of that aforementioned car <laughs> reached into his pocket and pulled out some money and gave it to my son 
because he was obviously upset, and said, here, go buy an ice cream. I want you to enjoy the Larn Conference. You know what that's called? Grace. Undeserved favor. Just being forgiven alone would have been fantastic. Let me tell you, just forgiven alone. But I'll tell you what's more. To have the God of heaven say, I want to give you more. I want to give you salvation. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you an inheritance forever. That's what God wants to do. If you, have, if you have one single thought in your mind that God is somehow depriving you, you're wrong. If you have one single thought in your mind that you're wanting to be saved and God won't save you, I tell you this, it's your fault. It's not God's fault. God is willing and desirous not that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of the truth. And he's going to dispense salvation to every single person in this room who believes on his son. That is amazing. That's why it's called grace. Because you don't deserve it. You do not deserve to be in heaven, and nor do I. You not, do not deserve any of God's favor when you have not believed him. Just try, try it in a relationship sometime. Turn to the person you love and just look them dead in the eye and say, I don't believe you. Just see how that, how that helps things. I don't believe you. What are you saying? You're saying God's a liar. You are accusing God. Oh, I know my words come across harsh. Will you forgive me? But you are accusing God of something he's not guilty of. He is the dispenser of grace. He is the giver of salvation. And we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he's done. He was rich. Oh, he was rich. With all due respect to the person that owned that big, that big car that was a bit damaged. I don't think it just cost him everything to get it fixed. I just somehow don't think so. Though he was rich, he became poor. But I missed out a bit, didn't I? What did I miss? Though he was rich, yet for your sakes. He became poor. Your sakes. Though he was rich, he became poor. Is a marvelous story of riches to rags. A marvelous story of one who leaves the splendor of heaven and goes to the cross and dies. You would say, that's amazing. What cause? Why did he do it? Was he a martyr? Did he believe in some scientific thing? Did he believe against what others believed? Why did he die? Why did he suffer? Why did he become so poverty-stricken? It's for your sakes. It was for you, friend. He'd be able to look at you with an arm outstretched. And he'd be able to say, look at my hands. It's for you. 
Thomas, look at my side. It's for you. When he came to the breaking of bread on that upper room, he lifted a loaf of bread and he says, broken for you. He says, this is me. I am broken for you. Lifts up a cup. Was it red wine in it? It reminds you of blood, doesn't it? But I tell you this, when he said, this is my blood, I am not terribly stirred until I get to the words, shed for you. Could you imagine as he looks at a Peter? He looks at a John. He looks at a James. And there's Bartholomew in the corner. He says, you're my brethren. He says, this is my blood, which is shed for you. I have taken the time in these meetings to talk in detail with a man who grew up in County Cavan. And he did not know the one vital thing that would allow him to be saved. He knew all about the death of Christ. In fact, where he went, there would have been, there would have been figurines of stained glass window, everything of Christ. So, so he, he had seen a cross. He had seen Jesus. Where he went, they would have given out little bits of crackers that said something about the body of Christ. And he knew that there was a, a goblet that had wine in it that was the blood. And he, he knew all about these kind of things. So I asked him, what were you missing? What did you learn when you went to a gospel meeting that you didn't know before? He says, I'll tell you the big thing that I struggled. The big struggle I had. He said, I knew I was a sinner. He says, my religious system had taught me I was a sinner. And I would have to go and confess my sins. He says, I knew I was a sinner. I believe that. I also believe that there was a day when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He says, I believe that. I said, well, what did you not believe? That it was for me. He says, it took a while for it to dawn on my soul that the man who died on that center cross, who was so rich yet became poor, I realized one day that it was for me. And I wonder if there's someone here right now, and that is something you don't know. Oh, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor. You've no problem with that. That ye through his poverty might be rich, you honestly do believe that if you trust the Savior that you'll be rich, you'll have heaven. There's no doubt in your mind that if you die in your sins, you'll go down to hell. And if you are forgiven of your sins, you'll go to heaven. And Christ died for our sins. You have no trouble with all of that. The one thing that you do not know yet, and it is my prayer, and I'm trying to get through to you right now and hoping that God will answer the, 
the question that John read, is there any word from the Lord? And you who are weary, you who are wicked, you who are wayward, warring, worried, that you'll hear these words for your sakes. It's for you. For you. Just after that large earthquake that I told you about in Japan in 11 years ago, it was my privilege to go down to the city of Osaka and preach in a hall that was much, much smaller than this one. In fact, it was underneath the bullet train tracks. So it was the width of the building was hardly the width of the, of the dual train tracks, so maybe 20 or 30 feet. And every time the trains went, we all shook. There was a man there that I'd been asked to pray for in 1999, whom I had never met. But his wife had gone onto the bullet train platform and through an interpreter said to me when it was my first trip to Japan, please pray for my husband. He's not saved. I met that man for the first time. It's now 12 years later. And he's sitting in the meeting. Lately, he had been coming every now and then, once a year. Maybe twice, just to please his wife. But then he showed up the next day. And had people surprised. And then he said on the Sunday, because the meetings were only three days long. Not nine weeks, three days. This one was a long series. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He says to his wife, can, even though it's not a place where you always go, can we go to that gospel meeting again, please? He'd heard the facts. But I'm, what I'm getting to is I want to get to a word that John used when he was preaching. Because as he got in his little car on that Sunday afternoon, and went through the little narrow streets of the old part of Osaka. He turned to his wife and said one word. I'll give it to you in English in a moment. He turned to his wife and said, Manzokusarimashita. I have been satisfied. Satisfied. I heard John use that word as he was preaching to the wearied, to those that are longing to be saved. You can be saved if you're satisfied with the Lord Jesus. Satisfied. Oh, he's living to prove it. You say, did he have a verse? He didn't. He had Christ. Did he have a big story? He didn't know a story to tell. All he knew was that he was completely satisfied that the one who was rich had for his sake become poor, that he, through the poverty of the death of Christ, might be rich. Here's what he wrote in a letter to me recently. I'm a nobody. I'm just the least of all the Christians. It took me so long till I was satisfied with him. 
but I will spend the rest of my life to live for him who died for me. What about you, friend? What about you? Ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. You can be in heaven because of him. You can have an inheritance forever because of him. I have no earthly inheritance. Big families and small houses, no inheritance. But the inheritance that I do have is because the richest of all became so poor on the cross that me, a poverty-stricken soul, might be elevated to be a child of God. My inheritance is in heaven. I'll get it then. Will you? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank Thee that there is a word from the Lord. We thank Thee that the words of the Lord meet our every need. Oh, Father, we cry to Thee that someone will be a listening ear tonight, that someone will believe it, be satisfied by it, take it in and understand it's for them. Father, if there be a blockade, remove it. If there be dull hearing, clean the, clear out their ears and let them hear because faith comes by hearing. If there be blinded, open their eyes. And Father, we cry to thee in the name of the Lord Jesus and because of what he's done, that thou would again open up thy hand in grace to some poor sin-sick soul here as they drink in the word of the Lord. We thank thee, Father, for the inheritance that the Savior has brought to us. And we also thank thee for the poverty that he went through in order to gain it and to give it. So, Father, with these things in our hearts, we worship thee and pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.